Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. This is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Our guest this week is Michael Chang. I had wanted to talk with Michael for a variety of reasons. Um, one of them is the transition to clay as we now get to the part of the season for which he is best known, of course, the 1989 French Open. I uh, wanted to talk about Zoom coaching. Michael's off Zoom. He's now back to coaching Kay Nishikori in person, but for months it was all done virtually. And then I wanted to talk about this horrible surge and scourge of, of anti-Asian violence that we're seeing in the United States and how Michael is uh, experiencing this. Um, so let's just get right to it. This is by turns a, a serious poignant conversation and then some lighter some lighter tennis fare about uh, underhand serves and uh, tennis stories. Um, but uh, Michael had, had a lot to say and um, I think this is, uh, it's, it's, it's a good listen. It's really a, a horrible, I, I resist even calling it a trend, but this is, is really a unpleasant, horrible surge we are seeing in uh, violence against the, the Asian community in the United States, especially older members. And uh, Michael has a lot of thoughts here. So let's go over to him right away. All right. Here's Michael. How are you doing? How are you? Where are you? I'm actually in Bradenton. Oh, I'm uh, All right. a, a clay training block with, uh, with Kay. Um, it's been, uh, it's been good. So, uh, yeah, getting ready for the uh, the clay um, clay court swing and uh, trying to get them ready. I was going to ask you how how sounds like it's an obsolete question. I was going to ask how you were as a Zoom coach, but uh, <laughs> you're getting some uh, you're getting some in person time, which is great. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been good to to still do some training blocks. We actually had a training block um, prior to the Australian. Um, which was uh, which was kind of obviously tough since Kate got on that that one plane that uh, that had positive um, COVID you know results and then he was in the hotel for two weeks. <laughs> um, so that was obviously tough. But um, but yeah, I mean I was um, 
in touch with him and talking about matches and, you know, trying to prepare him as best as I can from, from, uh, you know, from home. Uh, Max is obviously out there with him, uh, you know, on a day in day out basis. And, uh, and he's got his trainers and stuff. It's, it's actually tough to, uh, actually go to some of these events now because of the, uh, the protocol, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the quarantine, obviously, um, you know, even credential wise, um, you know, we, we can't normally get, uh, you know, everybody in there, um, to be at events like, like we normally, you know, normally would. So, uh, that obviously makes the whole, the whole situation a lot more difficult. I, I love the, uh, the Michael Chang, Max Murney combo. That is not the, uh, that's, that's not the most, uh, obvious, obvious of pairings, but you guys seem to have made that work. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, you know, I think the, the the nice thing is that both Max and I we we have a very uh, pr- you know we have a pretty strong work ethic. Um, Max loves to work hard. Um, you know, I'm I'm out there, you know, pushing K as much as I can. So uh, um, it's been great to talk to him and um, talk about things strategically, very specific on um, on how we're you know trying to to train him, how we're trying to get get him ready for either particular surfaces or or a particular um, you know, conditions or particular matches. Um, so we, we get pretty detailed and, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good to have Max on board. Great. And you're, you're getting on planes again. So that's, uh, I, I think, yeah. you know, things, things are a little, little dicey in Europe. I don't know if uh, you're going to go back to the scene of your, uh, your, your towering achievement. I don't know if, who, who's going to the French open right now, but it looks like you're traveling. So that's good. Yeah. I, you know, I actually did not travel, literally for for a year which for you know and i'm normally with k on a, on a regular year i'm normally with him like 25 weeks out of the year um obviously a few of those weeks are obviously at home when he comes to california to to train but uh, yeah i mean 25 weeks and then i literally did not get on a plane for like a year um if you can uh, if you can believe that I, th- I think a lot of other people are you know are in that same boat so yeah it's, uh, that's it's an adjustment um I'm uh, happy we were able to connect. I'm always happy we were able to connect, but I, I thought sort of this, these days in particular, because I, I wanted to sort of get, get a sense of how you've been experiencing this, this horrible wave of, of anti-Asian attacks that were uh, yeah. fortunately enduring. How, how, how have you been and how have you been dealing with this? Um, I think it's been really disturbing. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, obviously that's, you know, these attacks have, uh, have occurred, um, you know, all around the U S um, a lot of, obviously a lot of different age groups, but, you know, particularly disturbing are the ones that, um, that are happening to the elderly Asians, um, Asian Americans, um, you know, guys and, and, uh, you know, men and women that are in their, in their seventies, their eighties. I mean, even, even in the Bay area, the, the, the guy was not 91 years old. Um, you know, that to me is just, is incredibly disturbing. Um, and these are people that, you know, pose no threat to society. Um, really their, their aim in life is really just to, you know, to love their, their kids and their grandkids. And, and, you know, they've worked hard all their lives to, to try to give their families a, a better life. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, they're, you know, um, in the, in these situations that are not just, verbal but it's but it's physical um and it's it's incredibly di- incredibly disturbing um 
I was telling uh, Tom a little bit earlier, he asked me, he said, what have you, have you actually experienced any, any of this? And, and I was actually telling him, I was like, strangely, actually I have, I haven't obviously had any physical attacks, but uh, you know, Amber and I, um, quite a few months back, we were in a local Walmart, just, you know, picking up some, some, uh, some stuff and, uh, and uh, an elderly Caucasian gentleman walked by us and was like saying, basically said, Hey, you guys need to go back to China. You guys, you guys that brought the coronavirus. Um, and it was amazing. I, I never, you know, uh, I looked at Amber, she looked at me and, and we were like, did he just say what I thought he said? You know, um, and Amber was, you know, walked up to him and he was like, excuse me, what did you just say? And he goes, you guys go back to China, you know? Um, and it was really like, like, um, I mean, it's kind of laughable a little bit, um, but it was just, uh, it was incredibly um, uh, uh, bothersome to, to hear um, somebody say that. And, and obviously, you know, obviously not everybody feels this way. You, you know, you're not having people rallying and saying, hey, you know, we're, we're rallying against Asian Americans here in the United States. Obviously, there's been a lot of support, which has been, which has been great um, from all ethnicities, um, you know, in regards to these attacks. Um, and people showing that, hey, you know, we care about the Asian American society. Um, you know, they're important to us. Not all of us feel this way. Um, but obviously there are those few that are, you know, in, in, in my mind, you know, ignorant of, uh, of what the real situation is. And, uh, but they're trying to find blame for, for this whole pandemic, um, of which obviously Asian Americans and, and all Americans really you know, are, are not to blame, obviously. So, um, you know, uh, how do you respond? I mean, you know, it's, it's not incumbent on you to tell some bigot, Hey, I was born here or, or there, it just, it, it doesn't even make sense. Like what, why yeah. would I go back to the place where, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just, it's illogical, it's offensive, but what, what's your response? How do you react in that moment? I think, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's, well, I think the Asian way to, to respond um, normally is just to blow it off, right? Um, obviously, there have been some instances where, where it's been confrontational and, and uh, uh, you know, I've seen some other videos where, where Asians are, you know, they have to stand up and they have to, to uh, you know, kind of get in the, in, the, in the person's face because, because their children are there. Their, their children are, are next to them. So, you know, thankfully, our children were not in that, you know, we're not with at that with us at that particular time, um, but you know, I mean, you you hear people sometimes say certain things and different things, whether it's you know, even if it's not racist, um, and and sometimes you just, for me, I just kind of blow it off, and I'm just like, you know what, you don't really know what you're talking about, um, you know, you're kind of ignorant of the situation, and and uh, and you know, and I just kind of like, you know, just kind of blow it off as if like that they just don't understand. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. How, how um, 
I mean, you, you mentioned, I'm, I'm sort of curious on both generational levels. How, how are the older members of your family dealing with this and how are you and Amber explaining this to your kids? Um, to be honest, I haven't actually taken the time to, to explain it to our kids. I think they're a little bit young. Um, my youngest is five. I have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Um, my 10-year-old obviously probably understands a lot more what's, what's going on. I've, I've had this discussion now with my, with my mom. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, she's pretty cautious about going out for, for, for a couple of reasons. You know, one reason was because of the pandemic, obviously, uh, because she's older. You know, my mom's uh, 77 years old. My dad will turn, um, will turn 79. Um, so, you know, they're in that, uh, that age where obviously you're, 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 it's a, it's a danger age, but now you, you, you worry about like, you know, going out by yourself. Um, and it's, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a, it's a crazy world that we, that we live in that they actually have to, to be concerned about that. Um, and, and it's weird to, to actually have the conversation with my mom and say, you know, Hey, you know, when you go out and stuff like that, you, you whatever you need to go get groceries or whatever, either you let me go get it or, or you have somebody go with you. It, it's not a, it's not an option for you to just, you know, go by yourself anymore. Um, you just can't, you, you can't take that, that risk, uh, especially at that age where if something happens, a fall, I mean, we've seen it already. It, it can do, um, you know, it, it can, it can take a person's life, which, which obviously it has. Um, I mean, if we proceed on the assumption that, uh, hate, hate is learned, um, what, what's going on here? I mean, what, what do you attribute this to? I mean, we, you know, I mean, let's, I'll be, I'll be blunt and, and I don't want to guide you here if you're not comfortable. We, we have a former president who calls this China virus and, and Kung flu. And that's uh, sort of hard, hard for me not to make a, a nexus there. But what, what's going on here? I mean, what, how do you sort of interpret this? Well, I mean, obviously that doesn't help the situation. Um, I, think what, uh, I think what is happening in some instances um, you know, people get to a point, uh, obviously, you know, I don't think any of us have really been in this kind of a pandemic ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's just taken a, its toll, um, for a lot of people. Um, obviously it's been, for some people, it's a little bit easier to deal with than, than other people. Um, and, uh, you know, under the circumstances, obviously people know that, uh, you know, the, the coronavirus you know, originated in, in, in Wuhan. Um, so they draw the correlation there, um, between China and, and Asians and, um, saying, you know, Hey, you're to blame for it, but, but how, how, how is, how are Asian Americans to blame for that? Um, so, you know, I think that, I, I think that there are sometimes people are at the end of their rope, I think in, in certain aspects, they're, they're, you know, kind of going stir crazy to some degree. Um, some people just you know, being inside, not being able to go out, not to have the freedom to be able to do things that they want to do, having to wear masks all the time. Obviously, a lot of people that, that don't want to wear masks. Some people don't want to get the vaccine. Um, so it's a different life than normal what people are living in. And, um, and unfortunately, under the, the circumstances, um, I think people want some, somebody to blame. And I think that uh, the Asian American community is is the is the easiest to blame for some individuals obviously not everybody feels that way thankfully um but for some people that have come to the end of their rope they 
that's where they want to blame and uh and that's where they take their anger out um but as we know in in life and in history you know anger hate um you know never uh never helped uh, uh help solve a problem and um and certainly this uh you know just intensifies uh you know um kind of dealing with the whole melting pot of, of the united states and uh and really trying to you know accept one another and get along I wanted to ask you about that because st stick with me here. Um, I was trying to look up your brother's age. Uh, I was trying to look up Carl's age, um, uh -huh. and I came. So the very first Google hit I found it was about your. It was about you, but it was you know his. He was in the story, and the, the first paragraph of the article: A generation ago, Joe Chang set off from China like a wave crossing to the other end of the world. In America, he met his wife Betty, who's also Chinese. He graduated from night school. They raised their two sons in a house with a stately Chinese living room and a casual American family room with a big TV at one end. And it, it really, it's, it's, it's a great paragraph. Ian Thompson, a, a former colleague of mine, should come in for some credit there. Um, but it, it, it really struck me how, um, you know, how, how often your story was framed as this great sort of immigrant success story. Um, and I, I'm wondering sort of what this last year has done to your relationship your feelings uh about the united states just in part because your status as this sort of great great immigrant grid success story was, was so fundamental to anyone talking about michael chang right you know it's interesting because when i when i grew up and i would have conversations of, with my mom and dad about how they chose to raise us um i never got i never got an answer saying yeah you know you're born, you're at the Chinese, we're gonna raise you as Chinese, we're gonna live very Chinese culture. Um, I've never had that aspect, but I've never had the other aspect where, you know, we're in America, you're born American, we're gonna raise you as, you know, purely American, you're only gonna speak English, you know, this type. It was always a combination of the two. And it was interesting, because whenever you'd have a conversation with my mom and dad, they would always say, we're gonna take the best sides of both. And, um, and I think that that was really, you know, hit the nail on the head because, you know, that's the way you can really be successful. Obviously, you don't want to lose your heritage, but at the same time, you want to embrace what, you know, the opportunities that, uh, that America gives you. And, um, you know, that's part of the reason why, you know, my family chose to, to come over um, to start a better life over here. So, um, you know, as far as has has this whole situation changed my view of America? It hasn't. I still view, um, you know, obviously I'm American, obviously I'm Asian American, but my view of, of the United States is always going to be in a very positive light um, because I focus on the positive. Does it have negatives? Sure. Um, but I'm not going to allow, you know, a negative here or a negative there to, to make such an impression upon my uh, my mentality that I believe that every part of America is, is, is negative because it's not. Um, and I think that that's, that's the, that's the danger I think sometimes, right. Is, is if you just focus on the negative, if you just focus on the, the incident here or the, the incidents in New York or, or, you know, San Francisco or Atlanta, um, it's easy to have that perspective, but, but there are, are positive sides as well. So, um, and, and you need to, to be able to see both. Right. No, that's, that's, that's really well said. I, I'm, I'm, uh, keep, keep on, keep going with the positive. What, what did you take that to mean when your parents said, uh, we want to take the best of both cultures? 
What, what specifically did you take that to mean? Well, I think, for instance, um, you know, the opportunities to, to go into, uh, to play in all these different places, um, the opportunities to work hard. Uh, you know, I think that Asian mentality very much is, if you work hard, if you put in the, the, the effort and the dedication, um, you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded. Um, and that's really kind of up to you. If, if you want to take a mentality where, you know, you want to lounge around and, 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 and just watch TV and, and not really want to make anything out of yourself, then you can do that too. You have the freedom to do as you choose to do. Um, but, you know, my family, my parents always told me, he said, look, whatever you want to do, you go and you try to be the best at it and you have a passion for it and you have a drive for it. And, and obviously for me, it was, uh, you know, it was tennis and, um, you know, they, they taught me to, to go into, you know, put my whole heart into it. Um, no matter where I was, no matter who I was playing, no matter if the crowd was for me or against me, um, which obviously in tennis, you, you, you have that in, in, in different situations. Um, but, uh, you know, but you know, America gives you that uh, that opportunity and that and that freedom to be able to do that, um, and I'm and I'm thankful for that. Did Did you ever feel? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this was obviously some time ago when it was pre-Corona. But did you ever feel anti-Asian bias on the tennis tour? You know, it's it's interesting. I actually did not feel any racism necessarily on the ATP tour. Um, I did feel racism, or not really racism, but I, I did feel um, people looked at me negatively sometimes because of my age when I first came on tour, um, and then also because of because of my Christian faith. So I would say those two things. You know, when I first came on tour, it was a little bit. There were a couple guys that were like, you know, you really shouldn't be here. You're 15, 16 years old. You know. We don't really want you out here. I remember one of my first tournaments that I played. Um, you're going to laugh at this. Um, so I was working with Brian Gofrey. He happened to be traveling with me at the time. And I had played a couple of exhibition tournaments before I was to make my professional debut in Memphis. And um, I was warming up, you know, practicing with this one guy. Um, at the time, I had no volleys. I, my volleys were non-existent. So I, would, I actually came into the net, um, and I started taking volleys, and I literally would miss every other volley. And this would go on for like a couple minutes, three, three, three minutes, four minutes. Finally, the guy that I was hitting with walks over to the side. I'm not going to tell you who it is. The guy walked over to the side, gave Brian Godfrey the balls, and I'm, I'm standing right there at the net. I can hear everything he's saying. And he goes, Brian, he goes, why don't you warm up Michael's volleys? I'm going to get a drink. And when, and when you're done, I'll come back and we'll finish the rest of our practice. Uh. <laughs> um, so, you know, but I have to say, I have to say that the tour, I think, is very unique. And I personally have not felt any racism as far as being Asian or Asian American. Um, and I think the part of the reason is because there are so many players from so many different parts of the world and we play all over the world. The tour is a huge melting pot. Um, if you're different, you're normal. You know what I mean? Right. So, so every day, you know, 
um, people, players, coaches, you know, we, we know you're from, you speak Spanish or you speak, you know, uh, whatever French or uh, you're from Australia or you're from South America or whatever. And, and we just look at each other as tennis players. We don't, we don't look at the other aspects of it. Um, as, as long as you went, uh, you, you kind of came close. It's one of my all-time favorite stories too. When you, um, we, we can edit this out if you don't want to go there, but when, when you saw Lendl after the 1989 French Open, when, when you saw him the next time, you, you want to tell that story? It sort, of, it sort of goes to the same theme. Yeah. You this guy, you, you underhand serve and you see him and t tell us what happens when you ran into him the very next time. You know, it was interesting because I, you know, obviously I, I, I knew Yvonne. I didn't know him really, really well at that point. I got a chance to actually to know him a lot better after. Um, but uh, I didn't see him post, post uh, French Open match in the locker room or anything. Um, so the next time I actually saw Yvonne was at Arangi, um, the, the week before Wimbledon started. And, um, and I remember, you know, there's that one walkway that you go to the right. And I was already in that walkway and he was coming back, coming back, uh, you know, cause he had finished practice and I couldn't really like turn around to go up the stairs, uh, the other way. And I'm like, uh Oh, here he comes, you know, and I really wasn't sure like, you know, how he would react. I wasn't sure if he would just like ignore me or, or anything. And, and, uh, I kind of, you know, would look up, kind of look down, look up, look, look down. And I'm like, Oh shoot. He's, he's like beelining for me. Um, and I was like, oh, man, you know, what's he going to say? And the amazing thing is that he walked straight up to me, um, basically got straight in front of me. And he was like, he was like, Michael, put his hand out. He goes, unbelievable job at the French Open. Congratulations. I was like, wow, thanks. <laughs> you appreciate that. Yeah, I would not have expected that. Oh, sorry. I would not have, have expected that. Um, and it's strange. I, I've always had a very good relationship with Yvonne. Um, and I've probably have beaten him on a couple of really, really big occasions. Um, and they're both were similar. So one was at the French open, uh, obviously in 89, I was down two sets to love. And then the other time I was playing him was in the grand slam cup, uh, which you remember the prize money was huge in that tournament. Um, I was down two sets to love and I saved a match point and I beat him nine, seven in the fifth. Um, it's the only two times I played him in a, in a Grand Slam tournament. Um, and you would think that he would be like, you know, oh, you know, I don't really like this kid or whatever. Um, I, you know, he's, I've always gotten along with him. I have nothing but the utmost respect for him. Um, periodically, I'll, I'll still, uh, you know, text him and, and give him a hard time about something. Uh, and then obviously, we'd, I'd see him periodically on tour when, when he was out coaching Andy or, or Zverev. Uh, I'd run into him every now and then. And whenever we run into each other, we always uh, chat a little, chat for a few minutes. But we never talk about the French. <laughs> well, I love the story that you, you're confronting this, uh, you know, this, I think he's the number one player in the world, and uh, he was very gracious. Yeah, I, I bet you did not think, I'm trying to do the math in my head, carry the two, it's, so it was, it was 32 years ago, I think. Did you, ever, you ever think the underhand serve would still be this, uh, this, this hot button topic? No, I, I would not. But then again, nobody stands as far back as they do to return serve, right? Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Right. You had Bjorn was back there for a little bit. You know, you, you had some other guys, but, but nothing like, you know, nothing like Rafa and, and Dominic. I mean, they're way back there. Um, I don't know, actually know what they would do if, 
if you put them on a clay court that actually wasn't that big, what, what would they do? You know, um, they probably asked the, uh, you know, well, there's no linesman anymore. Thankfully, that's probably gives them another few feet. Hey, what, to, to work. What's, what's right. a linesman? I can't yeah. really remember that concept. Um, the, uh, no, but I, th I think you're right. I mean, there were, there were, uh, we were joking. We said there, there are matches sometimes where you literally cannot see the receiver based on yeah. the camera angle. Yeah. Say, well, what are, what are you supposed to do if someone's yeah. pinned back that far? Um, the, I've uh, heard some guys actually asked for the, for the, um, uh, for the linesman to move or, you know, they have those like, uh, boxes, right. That they use for advertisement that the, the chair goes on in the back for them to move that. Um, because they need, they need more space. But, um, I mean, the, 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 the other, the other flip topic part of, of that is that, you know, guys are serving bigger, right. They're able to generate more spin and more pace right. now because right. of the brackets, which obviously, you know, if, if you're going to hit it waist level, you got to go even further back than you did, you know, 15, 15 years ago. Cause, cause you know, guys couldn't, couldn't generate that. Right. Um, I was thinking about whether to put you on the spot and ask if, as a Californian, if you thought we should uh, have a full prize money Indian Wells instead of uh, keeping commitments to the Asia swing. But I'll, I'll spare you. Uh, <laughs> I'll spare you that one, unless of course yeah. you want to go there. Um, but you uh, know, go ahead. For tournaments, there's no question about it. Um, you know, it's, it was interesting because. Uh, um, I think people were chuckling when they first found out that I, I played the first, you know, uh, Shanghai open, um, uh, back in the day, uh, when there weren't any, you know, Chinese tournaments at all. Now, obviously you've got some of the biggest Chinese tournaments now in the, in the world and, and you've had the HP finals there in Shanghai. Um, so, and then on top of that, obviously I, I love Indian Wells. Um, it's always been a, a special place for me. I've, you know, I've won three times there and it's really, you know, kind of in my backyard. Um, you know, under the circumstances, I, you know, I, I almost kind of wish that, that, um, you know, everybody's trying to, to accommodate everybody, especially in this pandemic until we get to a regular calendar again. Um, but, uh, but I can understand, um, you know, concerns on, on, uh, on both sides, especially when they're, you know, when they're so far apart in, in distance. Well played. Um, no, I mean, I think it's, uh, these are, these are strange times. Um, but uh, I, I'm happy you're uh, happy you're back out there. Happy you're getting on planes. I'm obviously uh, it's distressing and disheartening what uh, you know what, what we're going through in this country right now. I mean, let, let me let me sort of close here. I mean, this this will I hope this doesn't sound overly hokey. But if we're talking in terms of allies and, and anti-racism, I mean, what? Um, what, what can people do that are as offended by this as, uh, as, as anyone else? I mean, I think it's, it sounds like you recognize that the vast majority of Americans find this repugnant and uh, yeah. abhorrent. But um, I mean, what, what, what would you like to see people do to take a stand against this? I mean, I think part of it is, is, um, is certainly awareness. Um, it does, it does nobody any good if, 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 you know, all these instances are just swept under the rug. Um, I think when people see that there is injustice, um, you see more and more people, you know, talk about it. You see more and more people discuss it. Um, you see more and more people, um, 
you know, trying to find ways and solutions to, uh, to deal with this. Um, part of it is, is I think, helping, helping these individuals that have this mindset to understand that, like, their mentality is wrong. Um, that they're not understanding the whole situation, you know, properly. Um, you know, Asian Americans are just like any other Americans in, in, in trying to go out there and, and um, you know, trying to, to, to live a life that's, uh, uh, that's the American life, trying to be successful, um, you know, trying to, to go out and to, to, you know, help one another. I mean, that's really the mentality that, that people should have um, because violence and, and hate, you know, never, never made society better. Um, it's always, it's always the other way around. It's always, you know, taking the time to, to, uh, to understand one another, um, taking the, the time to help one another, taking the time to touch a, a person's life, um, no matter who they are, no matter what race they come from. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope that, um, that, uh, people will understand that and, uh, and somehow or another for those individuals that, that feel that Asian Americans are, are to blame in, in some way, shape or form for this pandemic, I hope that they will change their, their attitude um, and realize that, uh, that the way they're thinking is, uh, is, is wrong and it needs to change. Um, America is not a better America, um, you know, in, in, uh, for people to have this kind, of, uh, this kind of attitude and this kind of hate. There's just, just no place for it. It doesn't make our country better. Exactly. Well, well put. Well said. I'm, uh, I'm again. Um, I'm so sorry. We're all going through this. I'm sorry. Uh, the, you, the you know Asian American community is going through this. Um, it's really the, this disgraceful surge. But uh, you you like to think good wins out. Um, you're yeah. off to. Uh, are you are you headed to Europe or is this uh, this training? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna home, home on Friday. Um, I have to, uh, I'm going to go caddy for my, for my daughter <laughs> uh, on the week. Good. She's uh, a talented golfer. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so they're at that age. I'm, I'm having, Amber and I are having so much fun. Um, I don't know if Tom told you, but we were, uh, we uh, made a trip to Hawaii. Um, actually, it was, Hawaii was actually, I think, our first trip that we took on an airplane. So at that particular time, um, coronavirus was pretty bad in, in Southern, Southern California. So we were like, you know what, we just, let's just get away. Um, so we had, we had the mask on, we had like the face shield, everything <laughs> we got on the plane. And then it was funny because there was literally, there was like 15 people on our flight. It was so empty and, and nobody was going to Hawaii. Um, so we ended up staying there for a week. Um, and and the end of the week, Amber's like, so it's, so why are we going back? <laughs> exactly. You know, numbers are bad in, in, in California. Right. Here, in, we were in Kona, so we were not, not that far from Hualalai. Um, we were out in Manalani. And, uh, and the numbers there um, on the island every day was single digits, either one to nine, some, some, anywhere between there per day. The coronavirus was very, very low. Um, you had to take a, um, a test and it'd be negative before you got on the plane. And then when you got off the plane, um, you, they took another test. Otherwise, they, you had to go to some special hotel. So you, whenever you went back to the hotel, they checked your temperature. So we ended up staying there for five and a half weeks. 
<laughs> I bet your kids were miserable. No, good for you. You're right. I mean, you could you could be anywhere. Why not? Uh... Yeah, they could do school online. You know, they they it was great. They there was tennis. There was golf. I mean, the the whales were were there at the time. You know, um, turtles, uh, fish. You know, I mean, it was um, it was incredible. So. Um, yeah, yeah. After the five weeks, Amber was like, "Why are we going back again?" I'm like, "I need to go back." But you by that, that card once. That's uh, that's that's silver lining, though. That's uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, all right. Thanks for uh, thanks for visiting. Always a pleasure, and uh, hope we see each other sooner rather than later. But uh, okay. thanks, thanks again. Alrighty, take it easy. All right, take care. Thanks, Michael. Okay, thanks to our guest, uh, Michael Chang. Got got a little heavy there as as it should have um and I, I think sometimes we underestimate just how important a figure michael uh what was and is in the asian american community I, I heard someone now in their late uh 30s they looked at growing up the two figures that my household uh, idolized were connie chung and michael chang and uh i know he had had a huge impact on, on millions of millions of people here in the united states and of course uh in Asia as well. Um, so thanks to Michael for uh, the, the time and the candor. Thanks as always to Jamie. We will see what's going on with the French Open. As we record this, it's looking increasingly likely like it will be pushed back a week. Um, that's being done, of course, to accommodate as many fans and as much hospitality as possible. The impact of that on the grass court season that will now create a gap in the schedule. All of it is uh, tennis in the time of Corona, but um, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. Um, we will have a new guest next week, perhaps from Monte Carlo, uh, logistics willing. Thanks, everyone, for listening, for the guest suggestions. Keep them coming, as always. Subscribe, leave a review, spread the word. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, we'll do it again in seven days. Have a good week, everyone. Mm-hmm.